Welcome to today's episode of the What's in the Words podcast. My name is AJ. And I'm Steve Canal. What's up, beautiful people? And today we are um, going to go probably a little bit differently than we normally do. Uh, we tend to follow a structure and a, a format loosely, but this book was so emotionally challenging uh, and such a roller coaster that I think we may freestyle a little bit. But Steve, tell them the name of the book um, and then we can dive right in. Absolutely. And I think you um, so eloquently put it and said it. Um, it's, a, it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, and yeah, we definitely have a format, but I'm going to get right into it. <laughs> so today's book is Selling Hate marketing the ku klux klan by dale lackman and aj i've read a few history um books on the kkk and each was very insightful but i can with confidence say that none accomplished what this book has done and what it does which is to show that the Invisible Empire Southern Publicity Association, which most people don't even know about, SPA, was in many ways the creation of, you know, modern day public relations. I'll, I'll give them some of that because what they were able to accomplish was short of magnificent. And Selling Hate is a book on the so-called second era of the Klan, the largest in the, the 150 history of the organization. And this book is a detailed account, rich with amazing characters, you you can say. <laughs> like if this was a, a movie, these would be amazing characters. And behind the cross burning and hooded rallies, the KKK was fueled by shady marketers. But selling hate pulls back the curtain on the secret PR operation that, you know, built the invisible empire. Um and Lackman drives into a dark chapter of America's business history, like what, how it was leveraged to turn into this beast, this machine um, that we live in today. I just wanted to, to just give, set the tone with what we're about to, to dive into, because there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot within this book, um, but just set the tone that all this was narrated and controlled by some public relations folks and marketers who turned this into a beast that we're still dealing with today. Yeah, man. There are a few things that I want to um, speak on that, that you mentioned. And one is that in the beginning, you know, when you read the title and you get into it, um, Lackman does what starts in the beginning. It feels like he's going really deep into character development. He gives you the mm -hmm. historical information on each one of the characters, sort of where they're where they're from. And he paints a picture of who the person is before he inserts them into the role that they had into the KKK. Um, and in the beginning, I couldn't understand why he was spending so much time on each person. But as the story started to weave together, it all makes sense. Right. Um, so you have these people, like Steve said, they are, you know, from meager beginnings and, and most of them are figuring it out as they go along. But what happened that was masterful? Um, first, let's just start with the Klan. Um, and he explains, you know, the Klan as another fraternal organization. Now, what do we know about fraternal organizations? Um, you go through an initiation process. 
you have uh, you swear into it. Uh, you have secret handshakes. You have secret, you know, things that you share uh, with your group that distinguishes you as a part of that membership. And once you go through a some sort of a fraternal initiation, and I'm a I'm a Freemason, right? So I've been through that that process. But anything that you're indoctrinated into, you have more loyalty to it, right? And I think that's one thing that the um, Klansmen, when they organized uh, the Klan in the beginning, when they had that organizational piece to it and they did the indoctrination, now their members are, um, you know, they feel like they belong to something. So you have these people who would not uh, be a part of anything. They are a part of an organization that they belong to and their loyalty is there. Um, The second part that I'll touch on now, Steve, is when you talk about the invisible empire, first, let me say this. I never heard those two words together um, before reading this book, but now it all made so much sense the first time that I heard it, right? So when you think about distinguishing an organization, and I'm fast forwarding to today, so I'm I'm jumping back and forth on purpose. But if you think about distinguish or extinguishing an organization uh, that is prided on being invisible, that's hard to do. Right. So let's, mm-hmm. let's just look at the clan. Keep focusing on the clan for now. The clan, you know, was born in Pulaski, but I didn't know Atlanta was ground zero for the propagation of the clan across the United States. Right. So you have this organization that has people across the United States that are in the organization and they're in every branch of government. They're in local local government. They're in police. They're in doctors. They're lawyers. They're every Every aspect of, of life as we know it, the Klan has been a part of it for over a hundred plus years, right? So when you fast forward to 2021 and you look at the people in the White House and you know storming the White House, and you look at police shootings, and you look at you know Jim Crow, and you look at all these things, this is something that has it's in the tapestry of what we know as America. So when you have someone saying we we have to stomp out the Klan, it's not that easy because just reading this book made me understand that we have been in an uphill battle. But this was 100 years ago when this book was when he's he's documenting events from 100 years ago. We are still going through the exact same arguments 100 years later. Right. So when you're dealing with an invisible empire, that makes the, the battle two, three, four times it's hard because these people have been in it historically and they could be an upstanding looking person that's in Congress, um, but making decisions that are detrimental um, to the progress of people of color, of, of, you know, uh, maybe homosexuals or, you know, transgender, whatever the, the thing is that they identify as their enemy they're operating on some invisible tenet that they sworn into that their great grandfather and great great grandfather sworn into, and now they're not wearing masks anymore, right? So it's 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 frustrating. I, I found myself so frustrating. Sorry if I'm rambling, but it was a very frustrating read, and I, I was emotionally hooked into it because um, some of the actual activities and things like that later. But um, I think what the Klan did masterfully is they turned it into a fraternal organization. And the members were sworn to secrecy and they created an invisible empire 
back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that still impacts us today, even in the middle of this, you know, Derek Chauvin trial, where it happened in front of everybody, but there's still tension in the air because we don't know how it's going to turn out, even though the whole world saw it. Absolutely. Um, and AJ, like, definitely not rambling because th these are va valuable and important points that need to be made, right? Um, because I don't think people understand the magnitude of what the Klan is. I think people think that it's, you know, just a couple of, you know, quote unquote rednecks in the South, <laughs> you know, that have no teeth, that are wearing hoods, that are doing, um, you know, harm to the everyday, you know, communities of, of, of color. But it's way deeper than that. And I'll, let me set the tone for how deep this is, right? First of all, we're talking about post-World War I America. So that was a very volatile time, right? We just came off war, um, people are trying to figure things out. And to your point, when you turn this into a fraternity, people want to feel as if they're a part of something, right? And Bessie Tyler and Edward Clark, who, you know, the, the masterminds behind the expansion of the, the Klan, um, they took a dying, dying and broke KKK, which in between Atlanta and, and I mean, between Georgia and Alabama had between 2000 and 3000 members, right? Between those two States. Right. And in a few short years, in a few short years, they increased its membership to, to, to nearly 5 million. So it went from two to 3,000 members to nearly 5 million. Do you understand the magnitude of how deep that is? If there were 5 million Black Lives Matter folks walking in the street right now, you know, military would be out right now. Now take that and understand that they did this in reverse and in silence, right? So you... Today, you have no idea who's who, right? And the chapters were established in every state of the union. And the Klan began, began influencing American politics and social life. So it wasn't the, the quote-unquote redneck, you know, hunter. This was polit affecting politics and social life. And to dive a little bit deeper of the magnitude between one-third and one half of the eligible men in the country belonged to the KKK. People that is that was infused into this organization of hate between one third and one half of eligible men in the country belonged to the KKK. Even to like, like all I can say is like that's just, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and, and man, like the the full scale and ongoing con that you would say, you know, they were able to manipulate the organization and make so much money off the organization, but they turned the switch on. They turned the switch on that is still impacting America to today. Um, 
you know, they exploited fear. They exploited prejudices on, you know, of every, of every corner of America. And that sounds familiar, right? It sounds so familiar. And, and it's literally the same playbook that we see over and over again. And I'll, I'll give you, you know, an example. Um, just as it relates to law. So right after, let's, let's fast forward to the Civil War. So the Civil War ends. Uh, and now you have uh, Reconstruction happening. Uh, and for the first time, um, you know, Black people vote in mass, and you have Black politicians elected all across the South for the first time ever. As soon as that election ended, they changed all the laws so that all the Black people that were elected the next time they voted, they were not elected again because they changed the voting laws. They implemented poll taxes. Um, they started, you know, exact same thing that we're seeing right now in January. I mean, it's April 2020, but we saw that right after the election. Um, they intimidated voters. He talks in detail of how they would, um, with guns, um, you know, intimidate vote black voters from going to the polls. We saw that during this past presidential election, not with guns, but people standing out in front of, you know, the voting precincts or the voting places. Um, of course, they were outside of the boundaries, but it was the same intimidation tactic. Intimidation, exactly. Mm -hmm. They, you know, now they're changing the laws to remove some of the, the voting from the places that are densely populated with black people the exact same thing they did there, right? So that is one of the frustrating things. And again, I, I mentioned this earlier, the nonchalant slash cavalier way that Black people were killed with no repercussions. And one example, and this was a huge example in the book, and I went and looked it up on YouTube, um, Jack Johnson was heavyweight champion back then, and he fought, essentially he fought and beat everyone, right? So he got to his the two biggest fights were with the current reigning champion. I don't know the name, but it was Jack Johnson and the current reigning white guy. Like Jack Johnson was the, the black heavyweight champion. So they fought each other, um, nationally televised, first event of its kind where the entire world was watching, but this was done in New York City, I believe. Um, so Jack Johnson beat the guy all throughout the fight. And in the 12th round, um, when they were, Jack Johnson was clearly, had knocked him down twice, I believe. They turned the they turned all the cameras off because they didn't want the world to see a black man beat a white man. That's one, one example. Um, so then um, the other white champion was in retirement. He came out of retirement, got in boxing shape. Uh, Jack Johnson uh, eventually goes on to beat him on fast forwarding, beats him, and he did it in a smug, um, sort of braggadocious way. And the white guy that he beat said, listen, I couldn't have beat this guy in my prime. So now Jack Johnson has defeated the top two white champions in front of the world because the last fight was in Australia. So what happens in America? The next day, across the South, the Klan do what they call ride, night ride. They go randomly kill black people all over America, all over the South. Right. And they gave some random numbers, but they said it could have been lots more only to show them that just because Jack Johnson won the championship, 
nigger. You are not better than us. So they randomly killed our people to just just because Jack Johnson beat their white champion. Now, what frustrated me about this is that you're they're just saying, you know, they killed black people in the South. But these are our ancestors. These are, you know, not maybe not me and Steve directly, but this is these are relatives to some of our ancestors. Somebody knew somebody back then, right? Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you think about this and you think about um, how Steve said a second ago, they're in every level of government and especially the police, because the Klan partnered with police to solve, solve crimes. When something was wrong, it was the Klan and the police that went together to do these things, right? Because wonder why the Klan were largely in, in enforcement; they were enforcers, right? So it, it's just so frustrating to see, um, you know, that this was the infancy of this organization that is still a menace to me, to you, to everyone now. But the biggest point that I think that was made, not the biggest point, maybe, but it was that white people who weren't impacted didn't see it as a problem or they saw it as a problem whenever it was extremely heinous. But it, if it didn't impact them, they didn't say anything. It was the silent majority that still to this day allow this to go on. Um, that was just frustrating. Steve, go ahead, bro. <laughs> yeah, you got to take a deep breath after that, bro. Yeah. You know, the hate that was spread across America tells us, you know, a powerful untold story based on Dale Lackman's original research, which was based on archival material never before published, census records, um, books and letters. Uh, you know, it's, it's the story of an emerging communications industry. And I don't want that to fall by the wayside as well to understand what this was. They could have done anything with that power, but they chose to create a product and fuel a product, which was the KKK, right? Um, and public relations, marketing, advertising, and journalism, you know, all collide on a grand national stage, which is what we're still experiencing to this day. And from that point till now, you know, America, you know, would not and is not and will not be ever be the same, you know, um, with the activation of the KKK. Um, and how it's infiltrated all facets of business, industry, politics. Um, and there are people, I told you those 5 million before, and it was half of all eligible men, you know, <clears throat> were a part of the clan. That didn't just fuel away. They had kids, they had families, and they instilled that into that. So that's generations and generations and generations um, of a, a way of thinking, a way of life. So don't think that, just because it was a hundred years ago that, you know, because of civil rights and such and such that that doesn't exist. That is pure bullshit. And if you feel as if 
that is the case. You need to do your research and you need to open your eyes and ears to understand the world we live in um, and how it impacts people of color, period. Um, just because you see myself, just because you see AJ doing what we do, doesn't mean that we didn't have to go through a lot to get to where we are today. And think about the people who don't have the resources, that don't have the people in their lives that believe in them to let them see light to to actually, you know, bust through. But you still got to remember there's a whole other part of life where laws are in place to suppress um, and put people in a position not to succeed. So take a, you know, take a listen, selling hate. This is something you should tap into and definitely uh, be a part of your your catalog of, of, of listening books. So I highly recommend that you tap into this. I've been sending it to, to a lot of people to, to get this energy and, and, and absorb this so we can overstand and, and, and continue to push forward. Um, AJ, any last words on your end? I think it's absolutely Im- Im- imperative that you understand the history um, because you, know, you really know what you're up against, right? We see the things that are going, going on now. Uh, Steve, you used the perfect word. It was an activation. Uh, and if you think about what an activation is in the world that we live in now, it is bringing a product to market and it's propagating that product across different markets. That's exactly what they did. So I think it's, you know, it's a challenging read because you can get frustrated in the process. But I think it's definitely worth your time and effort uh, to just understand the organization that we know as the KKK and how it got to be where it is today. And uh, again, it's one of those knowledge things. Okay, I don't know. If, I don't know what the solution is. We we're trying to figure it out, but it gives you a snapshot into how we got here. And it starts with this. You know, there, I don't think there's just one blanketed solution, but it starts with knowledge and, and awareness, Bingo. Bingo. and people understanding that this is real and not a tale, um, and understand that this isn't just a KKK book. This is a book about you know marketing, public relations. And again, the product was just um, the KKK. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the product, the end result. But you know, it's, it's a product that has been impacting lives for for over 100 years. Product market fit. <laughs> yeah. The product was was hating minorities. Um, the market was white America that was rife with hatred anyway. It was a perfect mesh, and we're still dealing with it today. Absolutely. So, AJ, where can people find you, brother? Man, I am on Instagram. I am at AJ Joyner. That's one of the most active. So just hit me up there if you're interested in writing and publishing a book. Uh, let me know, and I can help you get it done. What about you, Steve? Yeah, you can also find me on Instagram at Steve Canal. You know, we greatly appreciate your listening ears and t- tapping into what's in the words. Uh, we try to take a deeper dive into into books uh, on each episode and give our recommendation if it's something you should tap into or not. And we do all the heavy lifting. We actually take the time and put in the hours to to tap into each book. Um, hopefully, you'll, you'll find something positive out of it to be able to tap in the, into the book as well for you uh, to continue to grow move forward so thank you again uh make sure to you know take a screenshot of of this this podcast share it on your stories share it on your twitter share it on your facebook 
let people know that we're here so they can tap into this good energy. Um, we've done a lot of books within the last couple of years. We plan to do a, a lot more. So thanks for tapping in. Peace. Peace, guys. Peace.